can you explain how a small child is struck multiple times but has no internal injuries, no broken bones, nothing? And her response was, your child was very lucky. Welcome to Shout Your Cause with Sally Hendrick, a digital magazine where you can get found, get heard, and get inspired with content that challenges us to be globally minded. Our focus is on raising awareness around social justice issues, cultural differences, and to bring you the people dedicating their lives to tackling challenging topics as their way of giving back. Let us be your advocate to make your voices heard around the world. Hey everybody, it's Sally Hendrick with Shout Your Cause again, and today I've got special guests with me, Candace and Josh Odom, and we're going to be talking a bit about a case that they have gone through. What state are you guys in? Alabama. They're in Alabama, and I think the Department of Human Re- Human Services, Re- what's it called? Department of Human Resources. Department of Human Resources, DHR, is the same thing as uh, like DHS or CPS, you know, Child Protective Services, the similar type of agency in Alabama. Thank you. Welcome to the Shout Your Cause podcast. Yes, thank you for having us. Awesome. Um, I wanted to go a little bit into, you know, well, what about before all this started? What was life like? Uh, before your in- the investigation you ended up having? Um, life was, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, we were just living our lives as a married couple, um, working. Um, our oldest son that was involved in the case, um, he was actually conceived through IVF. Um, so that was our journey for several years as newlyweds trying to conceive our First baby, um, who is ultimately our little miracle, um, and was born in December of 2018. And um, then we had wanted a second, but I was expecting it to be difficult like the first. Um, But to our joyous surprise in January of 2020, of course, right before COVID, found out I was pregnant with baby brother. Um, so we were just on cloud, you know, nine, um, right before this happened, you know, raising our oldest son and preparing, you know, for his brother to arrive that we were so, um, you know, just ecstatic with, um, you know, that he was, you know, that we conceived him naturally just, and he was, you know, on his way, we were going to be raising our two boys and just life was blissful. And just living our everyday lives and just you never think that something like this is going to happen to you. Um, I had a lot of preconceived notions um, about our child welfare system um, and, you know, maybe the types of families that were involved in it. Um, But that's gone now. I mean, I know it's a completely different side to it, completely different story and um, it just opened my eyes to a world um, that I didn't know existed. Um, I'm part, me and my husband are part of a club that I don't think either of us ever anticipated that we would be in. Um, but, you know, we believe we went through this for a reason that God can bring beauty and a purpose 
out of our tragedy. And so we're using that now um, to bring awareness, um, you know, to what we went through. So first of all, other parents can be aware that this does happen, um, unfortunately, every day in our medical community. And, you know, to know what their rights are so that they can better protect themselves and to ultimately bring awareness for change, um, you know, at the state level and federal level in regards to child welfare reform. Exactly. Uh, And speaking of child welfare reform, um, Connie Reguli is the person who introduced me to you guys. And Mm -hmm. how is it that you got to know Connie? Um, Well, shortly after our case was closed, you know, I just started researching different ways to make our voice known. Um, I shared our story on a great organization. They're on um, social media, Facebook, TikTok, um, Parents Behind the Pinwheels. Um, Because as you know, typically the blue pinwheel, you know, represents abuse every April. And you see the blue pinwheels, you know, outside of hospitals, child advocacy centers, and, you know, there's stories sometimes behind those pinwheels. Um, you know, I'm not so naive as to say that, so, that some of those are not true. I, I'm absolutely sure that a lot of them are, but also there's another side to those blue pinwheels. Hence, you know, the name parents behind the pinwheels. And I shared our story there and then just started connecting with people, um, you know, from the Family Ford Project. And then ultimately, me and my husband were both fortunate enough to go to D.C. over the summer um, as part of the Family Ford Project to meet and speak with, um, you know, our legislators about these issues. And we met Connie um, there and she, she's just fabulous. That's awesome. I went with I went with Connie the year before to DC to write a story on what they were doing and I ended up interviewing about five or six people as a result of that um of that interaction in DC. It was fascinating to go and to see how it is and how much work it takes to get recognized by people in Congress. Yes. Would you rather work or would you rather play? If we're going to go through all of this business building stuff, it better be for something that we love doing, right? Take a moment to do this quick life purpose challenge to discover what makes you truly happy. It's free. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash life purpose. So let's talk about specifically what happened in June 2020. Basically, you told me before that uh, your your son wasn't transitioning to his crib. He was banging his head. And obviously that would be causing bruises, right? I used to do that as a child. (laughs) My mom told me that I did that when I was a baby. And I kind of remember, or maybe I just remember the story, Um, but what there was something that happened one night and his face was bloodied so what exactly transpired at that point well um you know obviously finding him like that we as parents you know panicked um and with the way he looked I was anticipating him to be severely injured I just I was we both were scared to death you know we rushed him to our local ER 
Um, I, of course, you know, was not allowed back due to COVID restrictions. Um, one parent only, and they made me stay outside because I was five months pregnant, um, you know, with our other son. And so, you know, I was having to sit outside just, you know, in a panic. Um, you know, I heard Josh when he ran in with him, like, you know, to the little triage area. And he's like, I have my son here. He said, I believe he's really hit his head and has a head injury. And so, you know, they took him on back. And then it was probably uh, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Um, my husband texted me. He was like, good news. His imaging came back. He has no internal injuries. But they're not really sure what's going on. He said they think maybe an allergic reaction because the face is swollen, but they're not sure. Like they just, they don't know. And so then finally they let me come back and the doctor there, you know, was telling me that she's like, I don't think that this is abuse. She said, this is a very, very odd case. Um, she said, I really think we need to get him to the children's hospital to a specialist to be evaluated. And, you know, we agreed to that. Um, we had been to this hospital, you know, for previous services and we're very pleased and you know, as a parent, you want the best for your child. So we were like, absolutely transferring. And so he was life flooded there. Um, of course, we weren't allowed, you know, to go with him. So we had to drive in our car and we're probably about two hours, two and a half hours from Birmingham. So, you know, we're driving and um, I get a phone call from the, you know, children's um, hospital you know, saying your son's arrived in our ER. Um, he's in a lot of pain. He's screaming. He's crying. Do we have your permission to give morphine? And so you hear your child's in pain. So yes, absolutely. Do whatever you need to do until we can get there. And I hung up the phone and my husband was like, well, who is that? And I said, it was the children's hospital. The ER doctor, you know, let me know that he got there and they're saying that he's in a lot of pain and they wanted permission to give morphine. And that was like just the first turn of the complete, like we got one version at one hospital and then another version, you know, at the children's hospital. My husband was like, well, that's interesting. He said, because the ER doctor and the nurse during examination at the local ER pushed on his face and he gave no, like no response that he was in pain. Um, and so now looking back, we just think he was scared. I mean, he was 18 months old, didn't have his mom and dad and was surrounded by, you know, strangers, you know, poking and prodding him. Um, but basically what happened though, once they got him over at the children's hospital, that's where the investigation kind of kicked in. Right. Right. And then we get there and, you know, we get up to his room and that's where we meet um you know the doctor I'm not gonna say her name um she introduces herself as the physical injury specialist and you know we as parents were very distraught and she's asking all of these questions we're answering them to the best of our ability she's got a camera she's taking photos um, we also noticed that she had him in a neck brace 
And we asked, you know, why was he in the neck brace? He wasn't in a neck brace at the previous hospital and his scans there were fine. And she basically said, well, they're not my scans and he's going to be in the neck brace until we get more scans. And, um, you know, just doing very invasive exams, you know, on our little boy that was very traumatizing, you know, to see. Um, but we didn't realize at the time that basically this was an interrogation, um, you know, to see what our answers were. Um, obviously, you know, as a mama and then also being pregnant on top of that, I was very emotional. So, I, you know, I was going like, <gasps> and, you know, answering some of the questions, but like my husband, you know, was, you know, answering the questions as best he could, but he also, you know, would come back and ask her questions and she would kind of just dodge around them, really wouldn't give an answer. And so, you know, then she left. Um, then she came back the next day and said he would need a full body scan, even though, I mean, there were no bruises or any other area of concern, but she's like, he needs a full body scan. Yeah, if I may. Um, and so when the other specialists would round in, like the neurologist came in, he asked us, why is the child in a neck brace? And my response was, well, I don't know. Your people put him in a neck brace. Maybe you could tell us. And he said, well, he doesn't need to be in a neck brace. And so he kind of had a disagreement with the abuse specialist. But like the other specialists who rounded in, they all said they thought one thing, but ultimately their response was, well, we're just going to default to Dr. So-and-so. And so, so default to the doctor that was investigating. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like when I was able to kind of regain my composure, I just was not getting a good vibe from her. So I went to the hospital's website and looked her up and it had the title child abuse pediatrician. And that's when I told my husband, I said, do you realize like what they're accusing us of? Do you realize what's happening? And my husband, you know, was trying to keep me calm. He's like, they're just, you know, they're doing their job. The, the truth will come out. We didn't harm our son. But it just took on a life of its own once her report was topped up saying that it was physical abuse, that, that he was struck is what she was saying. Oh. Um, with, you know, fist that he was struck multiple times. And I know the second day that she was there, my husband did ask her, well, can you explain how a small child is struck multiple times, but has no internal injuries, no broken bones, nothing? And her response was, your child was very lucky. Do you have a dog? Learn unleashed potential dog training secrets with Duke Ferguson. This free video series will get you pro training tips so you can get your dog's attention, eliminate behavioral problems, and enhance your relationship in just 20 minutes a day. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash dog training. That, that was the response we got. And I mean, I have family members, you know, also that work in the medical field. So you know, I was, you know, texting and calling them. And so we were asking medical questions that they didn't like it. You know, they wouldn't, they didn't want to give answers. Um, 
you know, I was told by one family member that if the head, if the imaging of the head was fine at the first hospital, you're basically dosing a child with unnecessary radiation. Um, doing all of those multiple secondary scans. Um, but ultimately, um, he was removed from our care that Saturday night. I'll never forget that phone call for the rest of my life, you know, telling me that, you know, I've got to pick a family member to take my son um, or he's going to go into foster care, um, that we're not going to be able to see our son. Um, so, you know, we arranged for, you know, my mother-in-law, my husband's mom to take him. You know, we're signing this safety plan is what they called it. Um, in a dark parking garage at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, um, you know, say, you know, saying that we're going to do all of these things, you know, we're not going to have contact with our son that, you know, my mother-in-law will take care of him. Um, How long did this go on with him staying at your mother-in-law's? He was ultimately with my mother-in-law until October of 2021. And how um, often did you see him in that time? We didn't see him for the first five months. We had absolutely no contact with our son. So when we saw him in the hospital last, he was a baby. And by the time we saw him again, he was a little boy. So we completely missed that transition. Wow. Did she keep you updated with pictures or anything? Uh, she did like the best she could. Um, you know, uh, finally it was, well, she had had him for about two weeks and one of the case workers, you know, came to the house, you know, for the visit. And she basically asked my mother-in-law, well, what do you think happened? Um, I have the child abuse pediatrician's report saying that, you know, he was abused and um, I've got these pictures and my mother-in-law just, she said, well, I was there in the hospital. I know what he looks like, but I know my son and my daughter-in-law and they didn't do this. So she said, okay. So she left, went back to the county, you know, where we live. That was the county, you know, that was working the case, which is two hours from where, you know, my mother-in-law and our son was. Went back, filed a dependency petition on our child, and then came back at like seven o'clock that night with five sheriff deputies and removed our son from her care because she lacked protective capacity is what they wrote in the petition. Um, because she told the truth. Yeah, because I mean, she, she didn't. gave her honest opinion. So uh, not that she wasn't taking care of him or anything like that, but just that she didn't agree with, you know, their findings. Um, and also at this point, she had been telling the worker you know, he's been with me for two weeks and I've noticed concerns. She's like, he will not sleep at night. And he was, he was starting to bang his head on stuff in my mother-in-law's home. He would bang his head into the wall. He would bang it into the cabinets. Um, and she had actually started very smartly recording it on her phone um, to like show them, look, he is starting this here too. And I'm concerned. And they basically blew it off. Well, we don't have services. He's too young. There's nothing for him. So, um, but and, then we went and found services for him. Mm -hmm. And we don't even have the resources that the state of Alabama has at their disposal. Right. But they claimed there were 
services available for them, but yet we found some. So ultimately, what ended up happening? Did they you did you keep custody of your your second son and what happened? Um, well, um, I can't say too too much on that case, but um, he, you know, I had him that October while, of course, the case was still open. Um, it I had not even delivered him five hours, and there was the DHR worker. Um, you know, saying that they were going to file, you know, for a pickup order for him to remove him um, from our care. And I remember, you know, you know, you've just given birth and you're hearing this information. It's very, I just feel inhumane and degrading. Um, but I remember asking her, well, I said, worst case scenario, if the judge grants it, I said, I'm assuming that he will go to my mother-in-law, um, you know, since she already has my oldest son. And she said, no, um, he'll go to foster care. My supervisor said, your mother-in-law can't have him. Oh, my and God. So, um, then she leaves and she comes back the next morning. And she said, well, I have good news. The judge denied our pickup order. So um, she was like, but my everything, and this was another thing that was just so frustrating. Everything was my supervisor said. That was like the line that we heard so many times was my supervisor said. But she said, my supervisor said, y'all have to do an in-home safety plan. Somebody has to move in with y'all and supervise y'all 24-7. And we got our lawyer on the phone and she was like, no, she said the judge didn't even grant um, y'all visitation to come and check on this child. He denied y'all's order. No, this baby is going home with its parents. And they went outside, talked to the pediatrician on call and all the hospital staff. And long story short, they held my newborn basically illegally for 48 hours until we could get to court. So I had my breastfeeding interrupted. Um, we live probably about 40 minutes from the hospital where I delivered. They acted like they were doing me a favor. They were like, well, Ms. Odom, you can come and visit. Um, the nursery's open every four hours you can come visit and you can bring your breast milk during that time. They didn't even send me a pump home with me. So I had to like, my mom and my husband had to like go out and get a pump for me. You know, I'm very upset, you know, that, you know, I've lost my first child and now, you know, I'm just so upset because, you know, a judge said that I could take my baby home, but yet he's being held at a hospital um, because DHR said so. Not, be not because the law said so, mm -hmm. um, but because DHR said so. Um, they think incorrectly that they are the law. So what has um, happened since then with the case? Like, is everything done with your oldest son? Yes, he both. Um, of course, our newborn, he was returned when we went to court. You know, the judge was like, I didn't even give y'all custody of this child. Parents, go pick up your baby at the hospital. Um, but ultimately, our oldest son, he was returned to our care 
um, in October 2021. Um, you know, we were very fortunate that we were able to hire an attorney that, first of all, believed in our both of our innocence. Um, before we met the attorney that we hired, we had several appointments with other attorneys and their solution was for me to kick dad out of the house. They were like, if you ever want to see your kids again, you're going to have to like basically divorce your husband um, or you're never going to see your kids again. And that was not an option for me. Um, I knew my husband did not do anything. Um, and I was determined that my boys were going to come home to both of their parents. Do you want to stand out from the crowd with your content? Come discover how to market yourself as an expert, as a change maker, as a positive influence on other people's lives. With the Exponential Marketing Club, you will learn the ins and outs of content marketing that makes a difference in the world. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash club. So we had an attorney that, you know, one, believed in our innocence and two, you know, like, like she didn't make any promises, but she's like, I'm going to do everything in my power to get your son home. Um, and, you know, we ultimately hired an expert. Um, and this is where it actually got interesting going back to when our son was removed and put in foster care for 24 hours. When we had that hearing and my mother-in-law brought up to the judge the behaviors she was seeing the judge ordered my mother-in-law to start like video recording all of these instances. And we, I lost track of how many videos like she got of him at night doing this behavior, but sure enough on the crib one night she heard him in there and like she went and turned on the TV and he was standing up, hitting his head from side to side on the exact like pattern of how his injuries were right now, you know, obviously, you know, she went in there, you know, and intervened, but by the time she got in there, he even had like, you know, a small little like area on his forehead that had formed, but we sent those of course to the court, our expert, you know, got all of those videos as well. And he started to suspect autism spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with self-injurious behavior. Um, we also got a local child psychologist who did her own like evaluation. Um, and she diagnosed him with that. Um, and our behavioral pediatrician expert, I mean, he did basically the same type of evaluation that the child psychologist did, but like took it way in depth. Um, you know, beyond the autism spectrum disorder, like explaining, mm -hmm. like, you know, how this is self-injurious and like just went into all of it. Um, and he recommended, well, both of them did, recommended the services that he needed, speech therapy, occupational therapy, um, you know, basically what you wanted from the beginning. Yes. Well, and we you ended up going through this nightmare. And um, so we had to fight to like even get those services set up. Um, we were finally, after not being able to see our child for five months, um, you know, we were awarded unlimited visitation um, as long as my mom or my mother-in-law was present. Um, 
And if that had not been the case, I don't know how we would have gotten these evaluations done. I don't know how he would have started. He was able to like start his speech therapy, thankfully. Um, I mean, he was already getting so delayed. Like by the time he was two, I mean, he had no words. Like he just made sounds like he had no, I just, it's like it was at the expense of my child. They just wanted to be right. And it's like what the child abuse pediatrician says goes. It doesn't matter what any other doctor or expert in their field, you know, you're talking about a child with autism spectrum disorder, a child psychologist who deals with this every day, a board certified behavioral pediatrician, who that is their specialty. This is what they are trained in. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like brushed to the side. And I'm just so thankful that in the end, we had a judge who listened to all the evidence presented and dismissed the state's dependency petition and returned our son, you know, to mine and my husband's custody, because that is so rare. Um, You know, so many families have had their rights terminated. They have been wrongfully incarcerated all on the word of a child abuse pediatrician. Um, Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot to deal with. So I'm curious, is there anything else that you want to share about your case? That's really important. Are you, do you have a lawsuit against the state or what's going on? You know, um, this is all over. Yeah. In regards to our second case, well, not our second case. In regards to our second son, um, we do have something pending, um, you know, awaiting for a decision on that, you know, in regards to his wrongful removal, um, you know, and the civil rights violations of not just him, but also me um, and my husband, you know, our civil rights to parent our child. Um And that's where, you know, it just really opened my eyes to how DHR, CPS, whatever it's called in each individual state, they're routinely violating civil rights every day. Um, And parents don't know their rights. I mean, you know, when you're thrown into an investigation, you're distraught. You're, you know, doing whatever is necessary um, to try to keep your child safe. But, you know, now I know me and my husband didn't have to sign that safety plan at 2 a.m. Um, that's not a legal binding agreement. That's not a court order. Um, yeah, they were just pressuring you to try to get um, through whatever the paperwork they needed to have on hand to move forward with mm-hmm. removal. Well, right. thank you for sharing everything here today. Is there anything you else want, you wanted to say, Josh? May I add one more thing? I'd like to bring awareness to the child abuse register. And so we went, we both went through this whole ordeal and we were cleared in criminal court and family court with no wrongdoing. And even being cleared in two different courts, uh, I was still placed on a child abuse registry by DHR. Oh, that's sad. I'm sorry. And I would just like to bring awareness to that. If uh, any Alabama viewers are out there ever have the option to vote, 
I'd like to see that change eventually where other people who don't commit abuse aren't placed on the register. Well, that's something that we definitely, you know, you put in the hands of the people who are going to Washington, like Connie, um, because there's so, so much, there's only so much you can do at a time. And she seems to know the formula to be able to get things done. So I'm glad that you have actually connected with her as well. Bring that part up to her at some point, because I think Uh, we we discussed it in Washington and like the legislators, they would like kind of look like deer in headlights when you kind of bring it up. Like people don't understand that this is happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that DHR, CPS, they have way, way too much power. Um, and to me, you know, that's just another example of a civil rights violation, parents being placed on an abuse registry based on, first of all, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, like it, you know, is if you were to go to a criminal trial, it's a preponderance of the evidence, 50%. That's crazy. And you usually don't get your due process. And so every state is different, but like in Alabama, I was entitled to an actual hearing where, you know, my lawyer got to present our evidence and our expert reports and I got to testify um, and, you know, all of that good stuff because I'm a licensed social worker of all of all things. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, and so my license could have been revoked if I had had my indicated findings um, you know, upheld. Um, but my husband, like most parents in Alabama who are given an indicated finding, mm-hmm. they are only giving an administrative record review, which is basically DHR looking at the evidence. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything. We're out of time today. And thanks for being here for Shout Your Cause. Thank you for listening today. My name is Sally Hendrick. Be sure to visit our website for show notes and more information on how you can inspire others. If you would like to contribute content to our magazine, please apply on our website at shoutyourcause.com. 